welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckus. All right, guys, he's Alex. I'm Devin. Welcome back to the AD's podcast for week three. We're on week three. Week right? three of the NFL season. Already. It feels like so many things have happened in such a small amount of time. Yeah, it kind of feels like we should be at week 10 with the amount of news we got. Yeah, there's been a lot going on, all the way from, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Dolphins up to, you know, the 70-burger by the Finns. Yeah, a lot of Dolphins, a lot of Dolphins. A lot of Dolphins. So many Dolphins, either related to Aaron Rodgers or in Sean Payton's nightmares. And they will linger in his nightmares. But let's kick off the week with a first-person experience from the Vikings game. You were there. Yes, I. so I was there. I tried to go back and watch as much as I could on some of those games, especially my beloved hometown, not-so-hometown Detroit Lions, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shout-out to the 515, not part of the 313, but y'all can adopt me. So I was at the Vikings game this past week, and let me tell you, I am pissed off. I am pissed off for the Vikings, not for Vikings fans, but for the actual organization of the Vikings. Like, I feel legitimately bad for them, not in a pitiful way, but in a you deserve so much better from your fans specifically. Okay. Okay. Last week, we had the whole Alexander Madison getting hate speech and everything like that. He deserves better a million percent. Sure. He's had his issues on the field this season, um, fumbles and things like that, like That sucks. If I'm a fan, I'm disappointed by that. Totally. I am. But also, the Vikings in general, they had the disservice of a lot of fans being incredibly unrealistic to start this season. Yeah, probably true. I had fans clowning me all offseason. And I I live in Minneapolis-St. Paul, so I I get it. Mm -hmm. I'm in enemy territory, essentially. Absolutely. So, like, I'm going to hear Vikings news and things more than anyone that's not Lions. And that's just because I follow so many Lions things, right? Sure. But I'm pissed off for the Vikings organization because they deserve better from their coaches. They deserve better from their fans. They deserve better from more than anyone else. They deserve better from their existing general manager. And that is the one that pisses me off the most. Okay. So I went through and I did some digging today. All right. All right? I did some absolute digging. Get your shovels. Yeah. I found where the bodies are buried, except it's extremely obvious. Um, and the fact that Vikings fans didn't see this one coming is astounding. Okay. So here's here's some things that I found. So Andrew Booth and Lewis Seen, two top draft picks for the Vikes in 2022, first and second rounder. All right. And mm-hmm. then Brian Asamoa, who was their fourth pick, but he was a third rounder. Yep. All of which are entirely healthy right now. Correct. None of them are currently on the injury report. The three of them combined for zero snaps on defense this past week. Yeah, that's not that's not great drafting. Zero snaps on defense. If you want the Viking fan justification. I do. I do. I, I know for a fact that two of them have explanations. Not saying they're good explanations, but they have them. Okay. Lewis seen not starting at safety he obviously had a compound fracture shattered his lower leg last season in the london game that completely derailed his development as a pro sure and i think that's a twofold he wasn't able to get acclimated to the nfl speed and playbook and the coaching staff kind of moved on without him 
you're a first round pick. Yeah. You should be playing. Here's my response. He didn't start. And that would be a phenomenal argument if he just hadn't started. Yeah. Zero snaps. Yeah. No. He literally did not make the field. That's valid. The second one is Brian Asamoah. It was an absolute meteoric rise from Ivan Pace Jr., undrafted free agent this offseason, came in and just lit the place up. He had training camp popping off almost every highlight out of training camp that wasn't your expected Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison highlight was Ivan Pace. So that's just a textbook guy lost his job to a better player. And I get that one too. You know, like we saw that, the whole world saw that on Hard Knocks last season with Malcolm Rodriguez. So like I I get that. Zero defensive snaps. No, it's a it's a it's a pretty harsh indictment. I was in on Lewis scene when Detroit had the thirty second overall pick. Mm-hmm. He was who I was hoping for. He's who I wanted. Brian Asamoah, he was my favorite pick of day two for anyone in the NFC North that wasn't the Lions. Like I loved him. I thought yeah. he was gonna be a great linebacker. Andrew Booth was very, very clearly the best corner available. So I very much will admit I was wrong on all three of those players as well. I'm not paid tens of millions of dollars. And that, that is the difference. I don't remember who it was, but there was a guy on a on a Twin Cities radio program after the game, and he basically summed it up as Vikings general manager, Quasi Adolfo Mensa. He is an analytics guy. That yes. is his background. And he came out of the 49ers organization. So he had this assumed credibility because the 49ers, if you haven't paid attention, are fantastic. Yep. They sure are. Good all over the field. Oh, yeah. And there was just this assumed brilliance coming out of their analytics department. I think it was part of it. I think Quasi does have that analytic brain that does a really good job in a Vikings front office. However, there's a difference between guys who analytically make plays that show up on paper and guys who you can look at as a football evaluator and say, that's a football player. And that's 100% what it is. And that is where my disappointment is, essentially, is Quasi came from Wall Street. I'm a finance guy. You know, I get it. I, I totally appreciate that. Um, finance was what I studied in college. Finance is what I do for a living. I get that. And I respect the heck out of him. He's way better at finance than I'll ever be. You know, he's even better at football than I'll ever be, you know, as a football mind. There is a reason he's paid millions of dollars and I'm not. Yep. But then why is the guy getting paid millions making the exact same mistakes as the guy making a podcast in his spare bedroom? That's a really good point. That is is ridiculous to me and the vikings organization should demand better for a man that they are handing a bag to you have three busts who are supposed to be cornerstones of your defense who don't even see the field and then on top of that you spend this year's draft and i like jordan addison and he's done well so far but you spend another first round pick on another offensive player Mm -hmm. um instead of 
correcting your world-class terrible defense that you made even worse by not re-signing multiple players. Granted, you needed the cap space. I get it. I understand why you didn't re-sign Pat Pete. I understand why, you know, Zedarius Smith couldn't stick around. He obviously didn't want to be here, and he cost a bunch of money. But then you go on, and you don't replace any of them, and you think that adding one new coach while adding no new starters outside of, you know, Byron Murphy, who has been decent sometimes decent and you wonder why you're still terrible yeah that's why because your gm has grossly underestimated what he has paid millions of dollars to do and you should all be incredibly pissed off about that i think that's fair and i will say as it as the resident vikings fan on the podcast i am clinging to the performance next year this year obviously you want him to be good coming off a 13-win season. Yes, and definitely. I'm interpreting all the defensive players they cut or traded or let walk as them looking not toward this year, but toward actual financial stability next year and going forward with being able to retain some other key players. Yes, sure. I, I agree totally, fullheartedly. That said, the defense is not good. The drafting has not been good. And sitting at 0-3 to start this season with games against the Chiefs coming up in the next couple weeks. And the 49ers. You get the 49ers. They're playing the Panthers this upcoming weekend. But if you're sitting 0-4, the wheels have fallen off at that point. If they lose to the Panthers, then what I'm about to say is untrue. Vikings fans, the sky is not falling. Ultimately, I agree. 0-3, this sucks. Um, yep. But if you took away the piece of luck that the Vikes landed last season, which not all of it is luck, like, you know, if you win 11 one score games, some of that is because you're good. Yeah. Some of that is luck. Yeah. Some of it's absolutely fluky. There is an element that you can't measure with willpower and belief. Yes, definitely. And you see it sometimes. A team out there. They clearly want the result more than the other team. Oh, yeah. The moment is not too big for them, whatever. But you can you can kind of see that swagger. You you can't measure the rootiness or the, the Brady effect in someone. There's no tangible way to right. see whether or not that exists. It's, I mean, we joke a lot that we say that guy's got the dog in him. Some guys just have a dog in him. Some guys just have that dog in him. He's a dog. He's a dog. You don't like Justin Jefferson. Dog. dog. Andrew Booth, not a dog, Mm-mm. not any breed of any sort of canine. I want to get back a little bit to the fact that Quezzy is a Wall Street guy, that he grew up in finance and he was in banking yep. and that that should be part of his forte. By cutting loose on some of those big contracts, namely Dalvin Cook and Patrick Peterson and, you know, Harrison Smith took a big pay cut yeah. to stick around. He loved the culture, you know, and I get that. I I enjoy living in Minnesota. I get wanting to stay. Yep. I see why he took the pay cut. You know, they won 13 games last year. He wants to be a part of this retool and or rebuild or whatever you want to call it. Competitive rebuild. Competitive rebuild. That's what you want it to be. That's not what it's turning out to be. Um, I did some more number crunching today. So this has nothing to do with Detroit, and it has everything to do with Quezzy's decision to re-sign him. And I am very obviously talking about TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. I am a massive Hawk fan. I have a Lions jersey of his. 
Um, he's from Iowa. You and I are both Iowa boys. Oh, yeah. I was sad to see him traded. He is a top six or seven tight end in the NFL. Yep. Could be higher than that. But I understood why Detroit traded him. Yep. When you are a top 10 player at your position in the NFL outside of running back, when your payday comes up, you will be the highest paid player at your position. Yeah. It is a borderline guarantee. Yep. Right? It's it's a leapfrog payment. Absolutely. Like, we see that time after time with Tom Brady essentially being the only exception, and that's because he knew that his, at the time, wife could bring home the bag so that he could bring home the rings. Uh, right? Yeah, that's fair. Even this offseason, you look at the quarterback market getting reset with Lamar Jackson, and then a couple weeks yes. later, re- reset with Jalen Hurts, and a couple weeks later, yes. it's reset with Justin Herbert. A couple weeks later, Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's it's a borderline guarantee that if you are a top 10 player at your position, mm-hmm. when it comes to be your turn, you're going to get paid massively. So we know we know it's true for quarterbacks. Yep. It's true for receivers. Yep. It's true for corners, and it was true for tight ends this year with TJ Hawkinson. Totally. So I went through and I did some number crunching. Sam Laporta Yep. Drafted to replace TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. They have the same alma mater. Yep. Iowa is tight end U. I'm not a Hawkeye fan, but that's just the fact. Yeah, they produce good tight ends. George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, and now looks like Sam Laporta. You know, I think they have like 10 plus tight ends currently in the league. So they, they just, that's what they are. Yep. They're, they're pass catching linemen is what they're producing. Yeah. And that works out really well in the NFL for a lot of teams, you know, TJ Hawkinson and the Vikings. It's worked out well for them since yeah. he got there um, three games in for Detroit. It's worked out well for Laporta. Also George true. Kittle is a top three tight end in the NFL. It's worked out awesome for the 49ers. They made a Super Bowl. They are maybe the best team in the league right now. Like it works out good for them. Um, but Quezzy is a finance guy. Yep. Quezzy made Hawk the highest paid tight end in the league. Yep. Through three weeks, here's his stat line. TJ Hawkinson, 23 catches, 179 yards, and two touchdowns. Or $717,000 per catch, $92,000 per yard, and $8.25 million per touchdown based on his average annual NFL salary. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It was an interesting decision to sign Hawkinson at the contract he got. Obviously, neither of us are cap gurus. We don't totally no, definitely not. get into the void years and how it's structured and right. guarantees and guarantees against injury. There are, yes. There's all kinds of offset language. Those contracts are complicated beyond. And yep. we also know that TJ Hawkinson is the highest paid tight end in the NFL. He's not the best tight end in the NFL. That would be Travis Kelsey. Right. And for me, as a Vikings fan, I try to rationalize it. Uh, I think that's what fans do. You rationalize your team's moves. Yes. Because you want to feel better. You want to root for a team. Unless you have just an atrocious franchise. If you have been a, say, Washington Commanders fan for the last 10, 15, 20 years with Dan Snyder, you probably didn't root for your team super hard. You wanted to win, but you also understood that it was a raging dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. For the most part, fans will justify whatever their team does and say, no, they know better, they're smarter, they're in it, whatever. With signing Hawkinson, 
the mm-hmm. biased Viking fan perspective, and maybe this is me going down with the ship, if you treat Hawkinson as your number two receiver, which Cousins tends to go deep or dump off, he doesn't have the arm strength to go deep effortlessly, but he does have pretty good deep ball accuracy. The dump off is a very big part of the Kirk Cousins game plan. A capable, reliable tight end like TJ Hawkinson is worth a lot. If you look at him from a GM perspective as your wide receiver two, de facto wide receiver two, he's a steal because he's way cheaper than a true wide receiver two. However, taken off my Vikings hat, we've talked about the difference from the best at a position to the second best, third best, and we kind of agreed with wide receivers. Justin Jefferson, without argument, is a top three wide receiver, but there's a conversation about who's the true top wide receiver. Right. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, if he's healthy and we get a healthy Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is in that conversation. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is still hanging in there. You have conversation about the top receiver, so it's really the top tier of wide receivers. Tight end doesn't have a top tier. It's Travis Kelsey, and then... A Grand Canyon-sized gap. Yeah, I'm thinking at least $5 million a season. And then you have Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle all in that second tier of really Mark good... Andrews. Mark Andrews. You have really good tight ends that aren't Kelsey. Here's Here's what I'll say about the idea that he's essentially the wide receiver two on the Vikes. Yeah. Target share does not equal talent. Good point. They can give him all the target share of a wide receiver too. And I I love Hawk. Like guys, I I don't personally know him, but I have friends of friends who know him, you know, and I hear that he's an awesome guy. He's from Iowa. He's corn fed. Like I love the way that he acts. I love the Viking hair. I love when he's on bussing with the boys. You know, I love everything about this guy. Totally. The AD's office is pro-Hawk. We are pro-Hawk. He's not a wide receiver. He is not a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And he should not be asked to be a wide receiver. He should be asked to be a really freaking good tight end. Yeah. And let me tell you, he will take that deal every time. He'll take it straight to the bank. He did. I want to be so clear. I am not knocking TJ Hawkinson nor his agent for going Same. after a bag. Same. If you have an opportunity to get a blank check, you get that blank check. Oh, definitely. Like, these guys, a lot of people forget that they're also people, and they want to make the most of their Mm -hmm. careers. And, you know, like, I want to get paid the most. I can get paid at my job. Why would they not want the same? Right. And they do not deserve any hate for what they do on a football field. Never. They are humans. And at the same time, you just stared your defense in the face and said, I don't give a crap about you guys. And there's a ho- the hopeful Viking. I'll put my hat back on. Hopeful Viking fan. Clearly the new regime in Minnesota with Quasey and Kevin O'Connell at head coach. The focus is on the offense. The investment is in the offense. We talked about it last week. You can't ignore turnovers. Those are real. You, however, if we take away the turnovers on offense, the offense is firing at a pretty good clip. Definitely. Jefferson is Jefferson. Cousins is outperforming every expectation. He leads the league in yards. 
And they are genuine yards. It's not a lot of garbage time. The Vikings have been in these three games. Oh, definitely. So you have a good offense. You added Jordan Addison, who thus far does look like a true add. He is making the most of those catches. K.J. Osborne, I think, is an underrated wide receiver. I don't think the Vikings will be able to keep him next season, for what it's worth, because they spent all their money on a tight end. You know? That is why I preface all this, and I end my Vikings rant with Vikings fans. The sky is not falling. Not yet. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, was 1-2 and two ever really going to be a surprise? 0-3 oh, is a surprise. 0-3 oh, is a surprise. We all thought they were going to win the against the Bucks. We all thought that. The Chargers was always going to be a toss. And the Eagles, everyone predicted them to lose. Totally. Didn't even really think they were going to be in that game. It was a blowout against the Eagles last year. And so the fact that your 0-3 is a little bit of a surprise, 1-2 mm-hmm. and two wouldn't have been. But the fact that you're one game under what was a very reasonable take, yep. the sky is not falling. It might be stuck on your little pointed helmets. Yeah, no, the this, this sky is touching. The clouds are low. You, you go 0-4, then there's room for a little bit more panic. Right. But guys, when it comes down to it, Kirk Cousins is playing pretty darn good. Neither of the interceptions this past week were his fault. They were tips. That That's just the way it was. And he is playing very, very good. And at the end of the day, if I see one more person say that he's getting traded to the Jets of all places, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, there's no room for the trade, you know, fire sale conversation with the Vikings yet. Yet. A lot of that is because you and I obviously are primarily focused on the NFC North. But as you look at the NFL as a whole, somebody in the NFC North is going to the playoffs by default. It's not a super competitive division. The Bears are atrocious. Right. And the Packers and Lions both have some weaknesses that it's not unreasonable to think a nine-win team could win the North. I I do think it'll take 10 or 11 wins. Um, Well, let me rephrase that. I think whoever wins will have 10 or 11. Sure. I think the second-best team will probably have eight or nine. And so you look at the broader NFC, you could make the playoffs as a wildcard team with nine wins. The Seahawks last year. Mm -hmm. So the sky's not falling yet for Viking fans. The minute Justin Jefferson walks into Kwesi's office and says, hey, this isn't it, then then you're in trouble. Then the sky is falling. Then the sky is falling, and you've got to figure it out. Then we can all put on our chicken little costumes then that that checks out. But for now, today, the Jets don't even have the cap room for him. They would literally be negative $12 million in cap if they traded for him. So it is not legal for them to trade for him right now. Right. You have to have the room available on the day of the trade. They already made all the room they possibly could when they brought in Rodgers. And at the end of the day, guys, if the Jets traded not even a first-round pick straight up for one of the best quarterbacks of all time, yep. you think they're giving up a first-round pick for Kirk Cousins? And Kirk is good, but he is not historically Aaron Rodgers. Do not get me wrong. Absolutely. And Kirk has a no-trade clause in his contract. He would have to waive oh, yeah. that. And the New York Jets went after Cousins when he left Washington, and he turned them down and turned down a bigger bag to go to Minnesota because he'd had— no desire to be in New York. 
Guys, if they traded for Kirk Cousins, they would have $60 million wrapped up into the quarterback position. Zach Wilson's on a rookie deal, but top rookie picks still make close to 10 mil, some of them more. They are not wrapping 60 mil up into three players that all play the same position, and they will never, ever have more than one of on the field at the same time. And Rodgers is on contract next year already. If you bring Cousins into New York, he plays a very different style of football than Aaron Rodgers. That team had all offseason prepping as though Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is next year's quarterback. They brought in Rodgers' offensive coordinator. They yep. brought in two or three of Rodgers' receivers. They brought yep. in all of Rodgers' playbook. Guys, they did not do all of that to say, all right, well, if he gets hurt, then we're trading for Kirk Cousins. No. And you're right. Cousins with all the love and respect in my heart, is not good enough to win a Super Bowl with the Jets this year. He, I do think he could fetch a first-round pick from someone. That someone is not the Jets. So with that being said, should we maybe pop to the Jets now that I've ranted about the Vikes? Let's take two seconds. The one team, the one team I think could call with a first-round pick, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, the Niners play an offense that Cousins could operate the Niners have a roster that is good enough to win a Super Bowl with a good, not great quarterback. And the Niners have made some incredible cap maneuvering moves over the years. But that is so many ifs that I'm not going to crunch any numbers. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Kirk Cousins is going to play the rest of this season in Minnesota, and it will be his last season in Minnesota. Probably. I think we can probably put quarterback and Sharpie in the first round next year. If we don't do that and Quezzy fails the Vikings yet again, they should be looking for a new GM come May. And let Jefferson pick the guy. But yeah, let's jump over to the Jets. Yeah, let's do it. So um, they had a major fall from grace yet again. We thought maybe they would continue to be decent um, because of the fact that they did, in fact, beat the Bills with Zach Wilson. Yeah. That has proven to not be the case the last two weeks. Um, spoiler alert, I had them drop quite a bit on my power rankings. Yeah. And when we talk power rankings, obviously we're not projecting where they're going to end up at the end of the season completely, but a little bit. It's an element. Yeah, we're forecasting based on what we've seen through three weeks – It's not as simple as would team A beat team B on a neutral field. That's a piece of it, too. But it's more the totality of how they're playing. Where do they fall relative to other teams? And the Jets, we both dropped pretty far. Yep. They're not bottom of the barrel yet. But let's just call a spade a spade. Zach Wilson's not good. No, definitely not. And you've been you've been anti Zach Wilson hype since college. I kind of liked him coming out. I, you know, I really liked the headband. I liked the idea of we'll play anyone anywhere. You know, oh the swagger, the attitude for a quarterback, absolutely. Yeah, and I, you know, I was a little bit convinced by him making throws in gym shorts in a you know concealed closed room for a camera. I I fell for it a little bit, but it was also like. Dude, you're getting selected behind Trevor Lawrence. Let's let's not pretend that that you're a solid consolation prize. 
there's there's a trophy that we all want, and he has luscious blonde hair. Yeah, good hair. Well, let's just jump with that one. Trevor and the Jacksonville Jaguars do not look right. They don't. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe the Doug Peterson magic fell off. Um, the Texans, we've been very open about both you and I on the pod and off that we thought they were a bottom three, maybe five team yeah. in the league. They come out and they beat, you know, I've gone on the record to say that the Jags and Lions were the two hottest teams in the league to finish last season. The Jags obviously won a playoff game last year, came yep. from behind against the Chargers. Um, and now this Texans team that we both had in our bottom four last week, mm-hmm. they come out and they upstart them by kind of a lot. Yeah, no, it wasn't particularly close. And there was a lot of offseason hype about Trevor Lawrence entering the MVP conversation oh, yeah. this year. He's not playing like an MVP. And frankly, no. we I mean, we joked at the beginning, three weeks, feels like it's been a lot longer. It's really not that large of a sample size. However, I think Trevor's already out of MVP conversation. I think you kind of hit it on the nose there. It's it's enough of a sample size to remove you from the best trophy in the sport outside of the mm-hmm. Lombardi, obviously. It's enough time to take yourself out of the running for the best player. It's not enough time to take yourself out of the running for the playoffs. Valid. Yeah, the Jags can absolutely still put things together. And if you watch the last couple of games, we talked week one about Calvin Ridley coming back, basically missed two years of football, and week one looked like he hadn't missed a single step. These last two weeks, he looks like a player who hasn't played football in two years. That's expected. Yeah. Right. We should have expected him because he had a couple that just beautifully thrown balls that hit him in the hands, and he dropped them because he was turning his head or he was turning his body too soon. And that's a timing thing, a feel thing that I talk like I have any sort of experience. Watching football, you can tell when guys are kind of in the zone. He hasn't been in the zone the last couple weeks. That's not a shock. He missed two years of full-speed football. And he should have a leash for that. Like, he has leeway. Yeah, totally. Um, Speaking of him, let's go and move over to his old team, the Falcons. They seemed like they were going to be an upstart. You know, we've talked a lot about the NFC South and how the Panthers could be a sneaky team, uh, looking like maybe not, especially if Bryce Young is hurt for any longer amount of time. I think he's set to play this week, but we'll find out. Yeah. Um, and then the Saints, you know, they looked really good until Derek Carr got hurt. Now they are maybe going to struggle a little bit. Totally. The Falcons, they were coming out of nowhere. Bijan looked awesome. Um, maybe offensive rookie of the year type hype. They had a major coming to earth moment too. They had virtually no offense. The Lions pass rush. They only had one sack coming into the game. The Lions sacked him like, I think it was seven. I think seven was the final number of how many sacks they had in the game. And Bijan did not look good. Desmond Ritter has had a couple good fourth quarters so far this year, but Desmond Ritter looked very mediocre in that game if not worse so Detroit got to bounce back a little bit at home after their you know trap game against Seattle so that division's wide open right and we talked about it last week the Lions Falcons game was an interesting matchup because it was probably going to give us an idea of who's legit yes we did the Lions look legit Falcons the Falcons gave a pretender vibe there they absolutely gave pretender vibes which is interesting because, like you're saying, the NFC South 
we thought was going to be the Saints, but Derek Carr with the sprained AC joint is out for who knows how long. Yep. AC joints are finicky. That recovery time varies between two weeks to six weeks, obviously without re-aggravating it. It's not playoff push time. I think the Saints will probably be conservative and let him heal. So I would expect a couple weeks of Jameis Winston. Which was not the best for us NFC North fans who were hoping to see the Packers falter a little bit. That obviously didn't happen. Um, Jordan Love looked very bad in the first half. Second Mm -hmm. half, obviously, let it come back. The first of his young career. So And I, I mean, I give him some credit for the comeback. I think most of that was the Saints were completely thrown off. That is a big Carr. chunk of it. That was a big, big chunk of it. But, you know, I, credit where it's due. He still had to get the points, you know. Yeah. And no, Derek he, he Carr, didn't. he doesn't play defense. So that's valid. So NFC South is wide open. We obviously didn't see Bryce Young this weekend. However, he's not looked stellar but if I'm a Panthers fan the thing that encourages me about Bryce Young even though his numbers aren't great the Panthers aren't great overall it's not totally on him his attitude in interviews press conferences has been phenomenal he has he seems completely upbeat disappointed in losing absolutely and he's not gonna fall apart because they have a bad game and that's I think we've always known that about Bryce Young. He's always mm-hmm. seemed to be able to say the right things and look the part. Yeah. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. And let's just jump quickly to AFC North. A couple different storylines there. Yes. The Ravens obviously lost to the Colts, which at a glance is like, eh, not a huge deal. However, the Colts did not have Anthony Richardson. Yeah, that that was a perplexing one. Um the Ravens, they didn't look amazing in the first two weeks, but they did look solid. You know, it's like they looked better than the team that loses to the Colts with Gardner Minshew. Yeah. And Gardner Minshew did step out the back of the end zone for a safety, too, I believe. I think he joined the yeah. Dan Olavsky club there. He did. So it's just like, Ravens, what are you doing? You know, we thought you were maybe going to be decent. Mm-hmm. So that's that's tough. Yeah. So we'll see how they respond. But that division is suddenly a little more crowded. Because the Bengals maybe got back on track. Maybe Joe Burrow's uh, calf still worries me a bit. Totally. He still didn't look right. No one looked right there. So, But they got the win. They got the win, and that's what's most important. But I also have to think, man, if he aggravates this more, it, it makes me think of Kevin Durant over in the NBA. You know, when he had his mm. calf injury, that turned yeah. into a torn Achilles. Right. Joe, you've had a torn ACL. It makes me think, would the Chiefs be letting Mahomes play right now? And in the playoffs, obviously they would. Like, they did. He had calf and ankle injuries. But that's the playoffs. It's a different game. And Jamar Chase has publicly echoed that take, too, and said, I don't want my quarterback playing if he's not healthy. Right. In the beginning of the season. Come playoffs? You suck it up and get out there. You suck it up and you get out there. We gave you the bag, man. <laughs> yeah, but right now, there's nothing on the line. Right, and of course, they want to get as many wins as possible. They'd love to be the one seed. Right now, yeah. it looks like it's going to be really hard to pull off, especially when the Dolphins are dropping 70 burgers. But, mm-hmm. you know, in theory, the Bengals will still be in the conversation for it. 
yeah, that that division just got a little bit tighter. Steelers obviously got the win over the Raiders as well. So that's two and one Steelers and Ravens. The Browns did win. Browns got the win. So they're also at two at one. If I had to sum up what's working in Cleveland right now, there was a play where Miles Garrett shifted from one side of the defensive line to the other and two offensive linemen yep. followed him across. And so Miles Garrett ran back to the other side and they followed him again and yeah. ended up with a delay of game. The offense could not get set because they had two guys that were shadowing a single defensive lineman. J.J. Watt, what was that about screw your debating or something along those lines? Yeah, it, it's a conversation. For it's sure. a conversation. Top defensive player, Miles Garrett, is in that conversation. And going on the flip side of that matchup, last week I apologized to the Titans fans for yep. having them ranked so bad. I want to take that back. You guys owe me an apology for making me believe in you for one week. <laughs> you guys are not good. And Derrick Henry, I'm going to need you to play the way that Derrick Henry has played in the past because that makes football more fun. And whatever that was this past weekend was less fun. Yeah, that was not King Henry football. So going to need you to dial that up to about 11. Neither of us think the Titans are genuine threats. Um, they've kind of bounced around, but they're they looked pretty bad this week the complete opposite of the dolphins who we said it in week one i wouldn't be surprised if the dolphins end up as number one in the next couple of weeks here we yep. are a couple here of weeks we later and they dropped the most points in nfl history since 1966 well i mean i i texted you over the weekend and basically said the dolphins are going absolute scorched earth yeah great way to put it it's true 70 points 70 points in an NFL game against professional football players. There was a time when that game was 14-7, to 7, I just want to point out. A theoretically competitive game. Yeah. It just got so out of hand. And I have two main thoughts on that game. Number one, why did they not break the record? The record, all-time record, is 72 points scored in a game. They had the ball in scoring position with time to kick a field goal and hit 73. I get it. The whole talking point this whole entire week would have been, it already is them, right? Like, that's yeah. already the yeah. big thing. Uh, but then it would have been the, oh, these guys broke the record, blah, blah, blah. You know what? They might be getting talked about more because they didn't. So it could Maybe. almost be a ploy there. You know, there could be some legitimacy to some of the players have come out and said, we're not trying to make people feel bad. And I think there's truth to that because they did put in their backups. They did you know, yeah, no, that's do valid. different things. It's like, I don't think they were out here to ruin Sean Payton's livelihood. Yeah. I also look at it from a pro player perspective. Some of these guys on the roster who you mentioned are backups, they got some playing time. Some of them will not sign another contract. Some of them will never start. This could have been something to put in their trophy case, a game ball from the all-time scoring record single game. That's true. If I was the coach of the Miami Dolphins, I would have kicked that field goal, and I would have given a game ball to every single guy on the team, and I would have said, regardless of XYZ happening out and about in the league, you were part of something special. Today was our day. I, You know, I kind of have goosebumps listening to you even say that. That is a really, really <laughs> good point. That is a solid point. Now, if they kick the field goal and he shanks it wide left, well, 
Yeah, that would suck. That would be pretty funny, though. That deflates the whole thing. That would be pretty hilarious. So, But my second thought on that game, which is, I think, super interesting looking at the forecast for the Dolphins, Tua Tungavailoa has the exact same stat line through three games this year as he did through the first three last year. I was going to make that same exact point. I didn't know that about his stat line, but I was going to bring up the fact that they were the best team in the NFL through like week seven or eight last yeah. year. Like, And it wasn't really close. They were much better than the Chiefs to start the season. Yep. They were better than the Bills, and the Bills were amazing to start last season. Yep. They were by far the best team in the league, and Tua was easily the MVP. And he, again, is easily the MVP right now. Um, but I also don't think the Broncos were the worst team this week. I think nope. that still goes to the Bears. I think I the agree. Bears are one of the worst teams in NFL history this year. It's really bad, and everything about it looks bad. And I'm going to give Justin Fields a tiny sliver of benefit of the doubt that they are not coaching him in a way that works for him. However, you can watch the tape. Go back and see replays. He is absolutely missing wide-open wide receivers. And it's not missing like, oh, I overthrew you. It's missing like I saw you and then did not throw it to you. Like yeah. I missed the fact that you were on the field or something. Yep. Total misread. Consistently and often. And glaringly obvious. Oh, yeah. Which is a major concern. I mean, here we are week three already talking about the Bears genuinely being in the conversation for number one overall pick and taking a quarterback while they still have a top drafted quarterback on a rookie contract i couldn't agree more and i'd even say that that is a perfect segue into our power rankings this week yeah our bottom fours are the same with our best two of those four swapping spots this week um my bottom four are titans panthers broncos bears the Broncos, Russ looked not good again. Mm -hmm. um, their defense, obviously world-class bad, despite Patrick Sertain being one of the best corners in the league last year. Yeah. They were still terrible. The Bears, I had to sit through an 0-16 Lions team. I'm not a Browns fan, but I had to sit through a 1-31 run for them. This yeah. Bears team looks all-class bad, like in that same level of badness as those other two teams. So, yep. Titans dropped you back down. I want my apology back. Um, Panthers, Bryce Young, maybe he'll get you guys back up. Broncos and Bears, yeah, you guys deserve this. Totally deserve it. I yeah, as you said, we have the same bottom four flip on the you know one two of that grouping. But Broncos and Bears, bottom of the barrel, top of the listing. We have roughly the same order. We both have the scorched earth Tua led Dolphins. In the number one spot. Yep. They earned it. There's no if, ands, or buts. If the Dolphins play like that, they're not losing. All right. Thank you, Dolphins, for being the only team to go undefeated and win a Super Bowl like, twice. I don't know. Yeah. Now, the undefeated season could be broken by the team who has it. Yeah. Prop, props, I guess. Sorry, Randy Moss and Tom Brady, that you guys couldn't pull it off. Shout out to Eli Manning. Yeah. Who's who's going to stop Tua? Who's Tua's Eli? Who's the modern Eli? We'll find out in a few months. Um, after it's, it's that, Jared Goff. It's Jared Goff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll find out. But oh, then man. I jumped the Chiefs up, and obviously they played the Bears. That is 
almost a gimme, but I've said it before, and I will continue to say it, good teams beat the snot out of bad teams. At, that's an did. awesome point. Um, you're not wrong about it, but also I did put the Chiefs at three because they played the Bears, and the Chiefs do have a loss. It's to Detroit. The 49ers do not have a loss. Um, Fair. So I have the 49ers two, Chiefs three, Eagles four. The Eagles still look like they're struggling. I'd really like to see more of their passing game, especially A.J. Brown. He had two dropped touchdown passes. Yeah. Um, and he was a top five receiver in the league last year, not just fantasy-wise, but real football-wise. Yeah. So I'd really, really like to see him get back to last year. And then after that, we both have the Bills. Um, I have Seahawks-Lions after that. The absolute only reason I have Seahawks over Lions is because of the head-to-head win. I don't actually think the Seahawks are even better than Detroit, but the fact that they did it in Detroit, I have to give them some semblance of respect and use that as a tool to keep my own ego and hopes and dreams a little bit dim. and A little in check. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have the, like you said, Bills rounding out the top five. And I have Lions at six. The Lions just scare me a little bit more than the Seahawks or Cowboys Ravens, who I have in that next little run there. That that rounds out our uh, power rankings this week. I will say that's that's what I got, unless you got more talking points that you want us to hit today. Well, I suppose we should talk about the biggest story in the NFL oh, this am weekend. I one? Taylor Swift oh, you're was so right. in fact at Arrowhead watching Travis Kelsey rocket gosh i did space that one out you know his jersey sales are up 400 percent. 400 percent because suddenly swifties are also chiefs fans and it was the most watched game of the weekend which is absolutely bonkers when you consider it was an utter blowout the oh, chiefs yeah. won 41 to 10 but it was 41 to zero at the end of the third quarter. Yep. Absolute blowout. Local, regional stations around Chicago took the game off air. It was the national syndicated game, and they pulled it from the air in favor of the Cowboys game because it was such a blowout. It was hilarious. It it was still the most watched game in the country with a dramatic increase in viewership from the 12 to 29-year-old female demographic. Yeah, that's hilarious. I I think it's awesome. You know what, ladies? Welcome. Uh, Come enjoy football with us. Check out our podcast while you're at it. And in the infamous (laughs) words of Taylor Swift, let's effing go. That was so funny seeing her of all people just scream that right out of camera and just she's sitting, raging. She's sitting next to Mama Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes doing the little finger wave to start the game, waving up at her. The NFL has 27 million Instagram followers. Taylor Swift has 272 million Instagram followers. That's crazy. She is 100 times bigger than the biggest sport in the biggest quote unquote not literally country. It's like yep. holy crap, guys. Now nah, that and there's a dose of reality. Football fans, Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL, maybe the best tight end of all time, certainly in the top three or four conversation. And he is basically nothing next to his new girlfriend. Tom's Giselle. Could be the modern Tom and day Giselle. Tom and Giselle. Hopefully it works out a little better for them. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. I I like uh 
I like Kelsey and his documentaries and podcasts and things too much for to see him be heartbroken. Oh yeah, now nah, root, rooting for Killatrav, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. With that being said, he's Alex. I'm Devin. We're in the AD's office. Come hang out with us sometimes. We're signing off. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.